0: catching you up on the latest stories from around the Sunshine State that you should know heading into this Friday morning, October 21st. I'm Julia Cooper and this is The Point from WUFT News. Black owned farms across the country are disappearing. From 1900 to now, the amount of black farm operators dwindled from about 1 million to less than 50,000. I spoke with Report for America core reporter Katie Heisen about one eastern Alachua
1: County farmer working to preserve his own. There were almost 1 million black farm operators in the US in 1900. And today, there are less than 50,000. And that's a result of historic lending discrimination by the USDA. Many Black farmers had to sell their land because they just couldn't compete with white farmers who were able to take out loans for things like tractors and irrigation when the industry became mechanized. And so that loss of Black farms happened here in Alachua County, too. So the story is about one local farmer, John Ronnie Nix, who is fighting to preserve the Black farms that are left and hold on to his own. So tell me a little bit about Ronnie Nix. What does holding on to his farm mean to him? Nix's farm was started by his grandparents, and his great-grandparents were enslaved here. So for Nix, it's a matter of legacy. He says, owning land and growing their own food was the foundation for black people getting their independence. And they sacrificed a lot for that. And to him, it's a matter of honoring that sacrifice and not letting it go to waste. He's 69 years old. So he says um, he's feeling that time pressure of needing to solve how to make his farm profitable for his grandson to take it over. He compared it to sports. He said he felt like he was in the final quarter and down by one, but he's very determined.
0: What are some of the challenges that Black-owned farms face
1: today and what is being done to address that? So there are two main problems. The first is profitability. Black farms tend to be much smaller because of that historic lending discrimination, which presents these problems of scale. Black farms in the US are about 50 times less profitable than white farms on average. The second is getting the next generation interested in taking on the family farm, and profitability is key to that. The U.S. Department of Agriculture did recently direct $2.2 billion to compensate farmers for historic lending discrimination.
0: Earlier, you mentioned Nick's wanting to pass his farm onto his grandson. What are some of the barriers that are keeping younger generations from taking on legacies in agriculture?
1: Nick says that they often associate farming with slavery and aren't interested in the work. They don't necessarily see it as black independence in the way he does. Um, I also spoke with his 21-year-old grandson, Keelan Fuller, um, who Nick says is rare among his peers. He's very ready to take on the farm. He said people don't usually see him as a farmer unless he's out in the farm in what he calls farmer clothes. Um, He said he's used to being underestimated in agriculture spaces. He thinks that Black people may be intimidated away from agriculture because they don't see people who look like them running the farms. And so Keelan wants to change that. Is there anything that didn't make it into your piece that you think is also significant about this story? I love this question because in radio, we're often cutting down hours of interviews into a few minutes, and there's so much we have to leave out. One thing I do want to mention is that I've been told the Farm Service Agency is much better today than it was historically. There have even been some recent efforts to address historic discrimination and to specifically reach out to minority and Black farmers with information about credit programs and other assistance. The U.S. has had a small increase in the number of Black farmers over the past two decades, which could be a result of some of those outreach efforts as well as a civil rights lawsuit settlement that put some money back into Black farmers' hands.
0: That was Report for America Corps reporter Katie Heisen on the preservation of Black-owned farms and how one Alachua County man hopes to keep his. Now, let's catch you up on today's top stories from around the state. Migrant workers are among those experiencing food insecurity after Hurricane Ian. According to the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network, state agencies are shifting their response from immediate assistance, like providing food and water, to long-term recovery assistance. However, the need for those resources have not disappeared, especially among low-income residents who struggle year-round. At food pantries like one in Bonita Springs, the need for ready-to-eat meals and bottled water has nearly quadrupled. Civil rights organizations in Florida have launched a bail bond, a legal defense fund, and a drive to establish a statewide voter verification system after outrage sparked from footage showing voter fraud arrests. According to WLRN, the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition started the nonpartisan petition for a statewide verification system, which will be sent to multiple jurisdictions. The footage that sparked this action showed citizens being arrested who were misled into thinking they could vote when they didn't actually meet the requirements. Each of them now faces a third-degree felony charge, punishable by up to $5,000 and five years in prison. The Florida State Board of Education says that Duval Schools is one of 11 districts still not complying with new state laws, including the Parental Rights in Education or Don't Say Gay Law. According to WJCT, the conclusion comes even though the districts have already taken down its LGBTQ support guide and directed teachers to remove all in for safe school signs, among other measures. The Department of Education says it surveyed 31 districts for compliance, and six of the 11 that are still out of compliance are so even after updating their policies. Wildlife advocates want to save Florida's wild diamondback terrapins through commercial breeding. According to WUSF, the unique turtle species have become a popular pet in Asia, and the overseas demand is causing increased poaching within the state. In order to fight this illegal market, advocates want to create a legal breeding system in hopes of preserving wild populations. The organization spearheading this effort hopes that the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission will discuss the issue when it meets on November 30th. Subscribe to The Point newsletter, which drops the latest Florida stories into your inbox every morning, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Visit WUFT.org for more information. I'm Julia Cooper, and you've been listening to The Point from WUFT News out of the University of Florida. Have a great Friday.